Are you guys ready to get into the last part of Under the Influence? Yeah, yeah. This, this series, Under the Influence, um, has been very uh, enlightening for me just to think through it and pray f- through it and, and teach through it, study through it. Um, last week, if, if you guys missed last week, can I just tell you, please go online and watch Pastor Mark's sermon from last week. Pastor Mark preached a sermon called Over, uh, The Overcoming Life. Um, and it was, I mean, it was, it was fantastic. I was down at Shaw watching it and I, I almost was late to come back to Next Steps at U City because I was just, well, I was into it. Uh, and, and finally our team's like, hey, you need to get back on the road and get back up to U City. But it was incredible. Um, now he did say in that sermon, I thought I heard him say that he loves Jack Daniels. Did anybody else hear? I thought I heard him say that. Now you're going to have to go online to get the context of that statement, uh, Pastor Mark. Um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, but but um, it's just been it's just been fantastic to be in this. This series is all about uh, being filled with the Spirit. Um, in fact, we have an anchor verse that we've been using throughout this series, and the anchor verse comes from Ephesians chapter five, and it says, "Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions." makes your life fall apart. In other words, it says, uh, don't, don't be filled with the things of the world, but be filled, the scripture says, by the Spirit. Be filled by the Spirit. So today, uh, as I was thinking and praying about the last installment of this, um, I really wanted to talk a little bit about how do we live under the influence of the Spirit uh, on a regular basis. And so I have titled this sermon, it'll make sense in a little bit, uh, The Dead Man and the Drummer. The Dead Man and the Drummer. So let's take a moment, let's pray, let's still our hearts, let's still our minds, and let's get ready to hear the Word of God. Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. Uh, God, we come before you today with our hearts open. We, we move our minds and our hearts um, off of the small things that have distracted us. Uh, and, and drawn us in multiple different directions. And we focus our heart, soul, mind, strength, body, all parts of ourselves on you today. We shift uh, our hearts and minds to, to, to focus on the awesomeness, the grandness, the greatness, the majesty, the power, and the strength of who you are. We ask God that this um, time of preaching would transform our hearts, that there would be moments throughout this sermon where our hearts would receive the word and the, and the word would take root and the word would be uh, productive and change us and open our hearts to grow deeper into who you are, to be drawn closer to you and closer to one another in love. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. I want to start off with a question today. And I think, you know, the, the answer will be obvious, a little bit rhetorical question. But how many of you have ever found yourself stretched in two directions? Pulled in two directions at the same time? Like, like a part of you wants to go this way, but then there's this other part of you that wants to go that way. You, you're, there's a part of you that says, I need to, I actually need to go do this, right? But then there's this other part of you that just says, nah, let's go do this, right? I'll give you some easy examples just to kind of get us in, in the mindset. You're at a restaurant. You know, you're there at the restaurant, you're getting ready to put in your order, and you know you want to order this. This is what you, this is what you want to order, right? There's a part of you that says, fresh greens, and you know, uh, you know, some veggies, and that's good, a little protein. But then you see this, and you go, mmm, man, that would be good too, right? So there's, you want to do this, you're conflicted. 
Anybody? Or some of you aren't conflicted. You're just like, I don't even look at the first one. I just go straight, straight for the second. You, you want to get fit. You want to be athletic. So you think of yourself in this. You're like, I'm going to get to the gym. I'm going to start doing my reps. But then by the end of the night, you're like, hmm, I don't know. I just, you know, <laughs> you just things didn't go the way that you were planning to go. Because you're being pulled in two directions, right? You say in the morning, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get my coffee, and I'm going to get into the Word. I'm going to start studying. I'm, gonna re- I'm just going to get deep in there, right? But you didn't make it. You come home at night. You go, man, I'm just I'm here. I'm just right here, right? So we find ourselves, come on somebody, are you with me this morning? We find ourselves pulled in two directions. Often, like every day, like almost every hour, we are making decisions between this and that. Right? Uh, the philosopher Plato, he, he said that our soul is like a charioteer that's, that's got two horses. And you've got one horse that is a wise and noble horse. This is your soul. A wise and noble horse that wants to take you to where you have told him you want to go. Or her. You want to, you got this horse that's taking you this way. And then you have this wild, reckless horse that just wants to go wherever it wants to go. And your soul is the charioteer. And you're trying to do what's right, but you keep being drawn into things that are not right and things that are not taking you down the path that you want to go. Another uh, analogy is from a guy named Jonathan Haidt. Uh, from New York Business School. And he says, he says, we're like an elephant and a rider. He says, every human being is kind of like an elephant and its rider. So the rider is the, is the rational part of you that says, okay, I, I can see ahead. This is where I'm trying to go. And we're going to go this direction. And you're, and you're going this way, right? This is the rational, thoughtful, wise, judicious part of you. But the elephant, but you know, you're riding on an elephant. The elephant is the irrational, impulsive part of you. And if you say we're going this way, you'll go this way as long as the elephant agrees. But if the elephant disagrees, you're going wherever the elephant says you want to go. So this is, this is kind of the nature of our souls, right? We find ourselves wanting to do this. The apostle Paul said it like this. He said, you know, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing those things. The things that I love, I stop doing. And the things that I hate, those are the things that I end up doing. He says, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm trying to go this way, but I end up going that way. The scripture actually describes this very, very clearly uh, in the book of Galatians. And and here's how the scripture describes this dual nature of us. Uh, It says the flesh, right? There's two parts. The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh and then it says this they are in conflict with each other this is what it means to be conflicted there's a part of you that wants to go this way and there's a part of you that wants to go that way and the flesh is going let's go this direction and the spirit is going no 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 let's go this direction and every day you and I are facing this battle Am I going to walk under the influence of the flesh or am I going to walk under the influence of the spirit? So, so what is the flesh? A lot of people think of the flesh just as the body, but that's not the, that's not the context here in this passage. That's not what the flesh means. The flesh, as described by the apostle Paul, is our innate desire to elevate self over God. That's what it means. It is that natural inclination, that natural desire where when faced with two choices between what we want and what God wants, the flesh says, let's take 
me and let's leave God down here. Me and let's, right? On Sunday morning, we say, God, you're awesome. Oh, you're awesome. You're mighty. I want to worship you. I obey you. I want to follow you, right? And then about, you know, about four o'clock this afternoon, we start going, oh, maybe the flesh will do whatever it wants to do, right? And so we're, there's a conflict, right? The flesh is that innate natural desire. The scripture actually uh, illustrates it in the book of Genesis, at the very, very beginning of the book of Genesis, when it tells us about Adam and Eve in the garden. And, and, it, and it shows us this, this sort of moment at, at the beginning of, of, of human reality, at the beginning of, of human existence, where there's this conflict, where God says to humanity, he says, there's this tree in the middle of the garden and I don't want you to eat out of that tree but I, I, you can eat out of every other tree in the garden you get, everything else is yours but not this so just all of that but not this right and in the story we see that 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 uh, a serpent um, deceives Eve and he says oh oh because God said if you eat that tree you'll surely die the serpent says no 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 you won't die you won't die. Actually, what's going to happen is if you eat the, the tr- of the knowledge of uh, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, then you'll actually be like God, right? So, so there's at the very beginning of, of human of the human existence, we see this flesh wanting to prevail over God. The serpent says, "You will be like God." This is the elevation of self over God. And she eats, and then Adam eats, and we get you know we get the picture. Uh, if, if you have children, or if you have friends with children. Or if you have nieces or nephews, you get to see this reality and it's very like basic primordial stage, right? Because children, as it turns out, you actually don't have to teach a child to be self-interested. You know, <laughs> my, my wife laughed too hard on that one with our children sitting there. Uh, you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to teach a child to, to desire what it wants right? You don't have to. I've never had to teach my children uh, to, to uh, not share, right? I have to teach them to share, but I never have to say, hey, be sure to not share, right? Just make sure you don't share your cookies, right? I've never had to say that. They already got that, right? It's the natural inclination for self, right? Um, I've never had to teach my children to hit. You, you don't have to che- teach your child to bite. They get that. They, they start off with that. They, they know how to do that from the get-go. Some of you are like, my children didn't, didn't, my children didn't really bite. Maybe one of them bit a couple times. My cousin, my cousin, um, um, I'll just tell you this real quick. This wasn't in my notes, but, um, Pastor Seagraves' wife, Robin, my cousin, her sister, Charlotte, bit me when I was a little kid. I just want to get that out, public record. So, um, she's my sermon illustration this way. You know, so the natural inclination is the flesh, right? This is the thing where we go, I, I just want to elevate self, right? And, and the scripture then tells us, what does the flesh want? If we have this natural inclination for self over God, what is it that the self wants? In the, in the next uh, scripture, in the next line, it says this, the acts of the flesh are obvious. The, the acts of the flesh, the, the natural inclination, the natural desire to put self over God are obvious. They're, 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 they're self-evident. Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Don't, don't change it. Let me stay on that for a minute. You're like, really? Do you want to stay on this slide? Do you want to just go to the next slide? So what this means is um, sexual immorality uh, means that I want, to, I want to do sexually with my body uh, over what God wants me to do with my body. 
So if God says, do this with your body, I say, no, I want to do this with my body, right? Impurity is, is sort of focused on the mind, right? And that is, God wants me to think about these things, right? Things that are good and holy and righteous and, you know, but I want to think about these things. So there's a, there's a, there's, there's this flesh. The impurity means I'm going to think about the things that I want to think about, not the things that you want me to think about. Debauchery has to do with our social interactions. God says, interact with people this way. And I say, no, I'm going to act, interact with people however I want. I'm going to interact with people through the flesh, right? And then the list goes on. Idolatry and witchcraft. Now, a lot of people are like, wait, that's not me. That, that, that part you can just skip right over. But let me just tell you what these words actually mean. Idolatry actually means anything that you value above God. And to figure out what your idols are, just jump on your Bank of America account and just scroll down through <laughs> the last few uh, months to see what you value over God. Anything that we value above God is idolatry. Anything that we bow ourselves to above God is idolatry. I'm losing the whole congregation. Anybody still watching online? Anybody with us? Okay, that's idolatry. Now, witchcraft, you go, well, wait a minute. That's, that's way out there, okay? But what's interesting is the Greek word that's used here for witchcraft is pharmakia. Pharmakia. That's where we get the word pharmacy, right? Because it has to, because in the ancient world, what they would do is they actually got high in the olden days. We might not know that. They were using poppy and opium and cannabis and they would get in these sort of ecstatic elevated states and they would go into these sort of transfixed euphoric places. And this is what they called witchcraft because they would, they would get into this, right? It's kind of like if you're dropping E at a rave. Okay. That's, that's kind of what it's talking about, right? So, so it's not like, you know, a pointy hat, right? So we're talking about things that we put in front of God. Um, hatred, self-explanatory. Discord. Do we have discord in the culture today? No. Is there any discord? Is there any polarization in the... No? It's all good. Everybody's good? Right. So this is what the flesh wants to do. It wants to tear apart and hate and push each other aside. Jealousy. That's a nasty one. Oh, that is a nasty one because it's invisible. Sometimes you're the only one that knows it. And so nobody can really diagnose it because you're the only one that's got it. And you're not going to tell anybody, hey, by the way, I'm feeling very jealous of you right now, right? So these are, these are what the flesh wants. Fits of rage, losing your temper, selfish ambition, desiring what I want, irrespective of how it impacts other people. Dissensions, factions, and envy. Dissensions and factions. This is like, this is my camp, that's your camp, right? And I can't, I can't, I can't connect with you. I can't even talk to you because you're not in my camp. Right? We're, this is us. This is our culture. This is us. Right? This is humanity right now. Dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. And I, I've always loved this. Nobody likes this as much as me. I love how the Apostle Paul goes, etc. Right? Like all the other stuff that you know. This is what the flesh wants. Right? So there's a conflict between the flesh and the spirit. And then he says this about the flesh. He says, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me tell you what this means and what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean if you have walked, if you wrestle with any of the prior list that you won't go to heaven. That's not what this means. If that's what that meant, then none of us would go to heaven. We should just, just, just wrap. It's a wrap right now, right? We've all experienced ourselves somewhere on that list. Have all of you experienced yourself somewhere on that list? Some, okay. Cause if you haven't, I'm going to diagnose you with pride right now or foolishness. One of the, I don't know which one we've all been there, right? But what he says is you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is, is, is the rule of God 
here and now in our hearts. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, right? What he's saying is if you're walking under the influence of the flesh, you're not going to experience the freedom, the joy, the life that I want you to have. You're not going to get to walk in the light and uh, of truth that I want you to walk in. You're not going to have uh, the, the power to overcome the enemy like I want you to have because you're walking under the influence of the flesh and I want you to walk under the influence of the Spirit. Now, what does it look like to walk under the influence of the Spirit? Next verse says this. Here's what it looks like. Fruit of the Spirit, right? This is the evidence of the Spirit. This is the pro- produce of the Spirit in your life. Is love, joy, peace, forbearance. That means patience, like patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So this is the produce of living a life under the influence of the Spirit, right? So you've got the flesh over here and you've got the Spirit over here. What's the Spirit? Let me define it for you. The Spirit is the manifest presence of God for every believer. The Scripture says this so many times. Pastor Mark actually did an awesome job on this last week, talking about drink deep from the Spirit, right? Is the manifest presence of God that is available to you to live inside of you, to live inside of you, to empower you, to guide you, to lead you, to teach you, to guide you into all truth. Is the Holy Spirit is an advocate. I almost called this sermon, you need a lawyer. The Holy Spirit is an advocate, a lawyer, somebody who gives you counsel, good wisdom, good counsel, doesn't bill you, you know, $400 now. Just, just, he just guides you and leads you, right? So we are called to live under the Spirit. Now, most of us find ourselves torn, pulled between these two impulses, right? Sometimes we walk under the flesh. And sometimes we walk under the Spirit. Do, do you guys Do you guys remember? Maybe you don't, but, but there used to be a toy called Stretch Armstrong way back in the day. Anybody remember that toy? Anybody have that toy? A couple of you guys had that toy. Um, I'll tell you what, bring, bring Stretch up here, fellas. Come here, both of you guys. Come here, Jaden. Come here, Lincoln. Come here. Come up here. Come here. I, want, I, need, I need some help. These are, these are, these are our, this is the stage crew for today. Let's hear it. Let's hear it for Lincoln and Jaden. Come on, guys. Come on up. Stretch Armstrong. You remember Stretch? Okay. They should put more clothes on Stretch. But anyway. All right. Lincoln, I want you to come over here. And you're going to hold on this arm and this leg. Here you go. Boom. Boom. Jaden, you're going to hold on to this arm and this leg. Okay? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Who's the flesh and who's the spirit? Lincoln, you're the flesh. Jaden, you're the spirit. Ready? Pull. Flesh and spirit. Pull. Yeah. See? This is... This is our life. The spirit is going over here. And the flesh is going, no, 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 come over here. And we end up, okay, let go. This is us. All right. Thank you, fellas. Awesome job. Can we hear it for our stage crew? So my question is, how do we not end up like Stretch Armstrong? How do we not end up with our life pulled into so many different directions that we're distorted, we're weak, we're, we're fumbly, we can't get our head on straight, we can't walk down a, a, a good path for any length of time because we get pulled this way and that way by the winds of doctrine and thoughts and ideas and philosophies and we're pulled every single... How do we walk in the Spirit on a consistent basis? How do we get out of the life of the flesh, out from under the influence of the flesh and under the influence of the Spirit. 
In the next verse, the Apostle Paul begins to give us the spiritual realities that will guide us into living a life under the Spirit. He says this. He says, those belong to Christ Jesus have crucified. Somebody say crucified. They have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is spiritual reality number one. I'm going to give you two spiritual realities. Spiritual reality number one is what I'm calling the dead man. The dead man. Spiritual reality number one is the Apostle Paul and, the, and Jesus and all of the scriptures keep telling us, if you want to get out under, from under the influence of the flesh, you must crucify the flesh. That means there's a part of you that needs to die. There's a part of you that needs to just, to be, to be executed. In, in U.S. prisons, when, a, when an exec, uh, somebody who's being executed is headed towards the, their, their execution, there's a phrase. They made a movie about it several years ago. And the phrase is dead man walking. Dead man walking means his body is moving, but he, he ain't going to be here very long. Dead man walking means there's about to be a death, right? Dead man walking is there's, there's a physical thing happening, but there's a dead man walking. That is what the Apostle Paul is calling for us to do spiritually. There needs to be a part of us that says the flesh part of us that we allow to die. We actually allow it to just die. We, we, we depends on how, how you, a lot of different people use it different ways. It can be starved to death just by denying it. But there's a part of us that actually has to die. Spiritual life requires spiritual death. In fact, Jesus put it like this. I don't have this scripture for you on the screen, but I want you to listen to this. Luke 9, 23. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple. Listen to this. This is deep. This will get you free. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Daily means it, it didn't end when I repented. It didn't end when I became a follower of Jesus. Daily means that every day I take up my cross. Every day I start by saying, there's a battle. There's a battle. I, I preached a sermon a while back, uh, and, and one of the lines in my sermon was, uh, don't forget you're in a fight. Right? If you're in a fight, you're either winning the fight or you're losing the fight. But if you don't know you're in the fight, you're losing the fight. Don't forget you're in a fight. Every day you have an opportunity to decide, is the flesh going to prevail or is the spirit going to prevail? Jesus said this. He said, take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever will lose their life for me, whoever will crucify their flesh for me will save it. And then he said one of his most famous lines. For what good is it for a man to gain the whole world? And to lose his own soul. I mean, what good is it to go after all the things of the flesh and get them and lose your own soul? In another passage, he put it like this. He said, John 12, 24, very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone a single seed. He said, but if it dies, then it produces many seeds. So there's this spiritual reality that I'm calling the dead man. The dead man is the part of us that we got to allow to die if we're going to walk in the spirit. We've got, now the question is, how do I allow it to die? I'm gonna give you some practical stuff because this is big, this is kind of big theoretical stuff. How do I allow, how do I, how do I crucify the flesh? How do I crucify? I'm gonna give you three principles real quick here. Ready? First is this, recognize. I'm just calling it recognize. Recognize means 
I am aware of the parts of my life where the flesh is winning. I am cognizant of those parts of my life where the flesh is prevailing over the spirit. So when I gave you that list, y'all probably somebody, there was a little point in that list where you're like, right? Because that was you, right? Or there might have been a lot of parts of that list that were you. All of us have some part of that list. Some of us might have all of that list, right? There's a part. So, so what, what the, the first principle, if you're going to allow the flesh to die, is to recognize where the flesh is winning. When Jesus, when, it, when an adulterous woman was brought to Jesus, I love this. I, I love this story. Um, and, and most people preach it for this other purpose, but I want to, I want to focus on this recognition piece for a minute. Because this woman was brought as an adulterer before Jesus. And she was brought by all of these preachers and seminarians and, and pastors and all of these, you know, religious folks that were, you know, professional religious people. And they were like, what should we do with this woman who was caught in adultery? Like caught in adultery. Not, not like maybe. Caught in it. What should we do? And because they knew that the law of Moses said if you're caught in adultery, you, you, you deserve to die. You should be stoned to death. But they knew that if if he said stone her, then everybody would be like, well, that's just too harsh. Like, I mean, that's just, I know it says that, but man, you can't, you can't do that, right? That's too much. But if he said, don't stone her, then they would say, oh, so you don't believe the law of Moses, right? And so they, they got him, right? So what are you going to do? Are you going to stone her? Or are you not? What do we do, Jesus? What do we do with this woman? Jesus was so brilliant. He says, thanks for a minute. And then he says this, he says, okay, go, go ahead and stone her. Go ahead and stone her. But first, but first, before you do, whichever one of you who has never sinned, you throw the first stone. You, you go first. And then the, the scripture says he like, he kneeled down and he just kind of drew in the dust. And while he's drawn in the dust, what he did was he was saying to every single person there, I want you to recognize the corrupt nature of your own heart. Before you start throwing stones and condemning this woman, I want you to recognize what's going on in your soul. I want you to reckon, and the, and the, the scripture says that each one of them sort of slowly slink, slinked away into the background, right? By the time he got done drawing in the dirt, he looks back up, she's still standing there, and he says, where are your accusers, right? They're not here. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus is calling each one of us to do a rigorous self-examination. If we want to walk in the spirit, this is heavy. Are we heavy today? Can you handle this? Come on, church. Um, if I wasn't your pastor, I wouldn't preach this. Uh, if I was an evangelist, I would just come and preach something else. But, but this is, this is needed for us, right? We need to recognize the, the sin that besets us. That's a, that's what, that's called a besetting sin. It's the sin that keeps, that keeps hooking us, right? We're walking along, we're doing our thing, and then, oh, man, we get jerked back by that one sin, you know? Stretch. We get stretched by that one sin. Whatever that is. So here's what I want you to do today. Just in your heart. I want you to recognize that. I want you to acknowledge that. What is it for you? Don't tell anybody. But what is it for you? Just take a minute for real. Like this moment. What is yours? What is your sin that plagues you? Where does the flesh keep winning against you? What, 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 keeps, what keeps drawing you away from what God wants for you? Right? That's recognition. When we pause in moments and just say, yeah, 
That's, that's the sin. That's the one. That's the, part of the, that's the part of the flesh that prevails over me. And even when I don't want to, like the Apostle Paul, I don't want to do that, but I keep doing the thing I don't want to do. Or I, 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 I don't, you know, I want to do this, but I keep not doing the thing that I want to do. I just, what is that for you? Because when you take a moment and you just receive that and recognize that, that's when the, the real transformation can begin. Because it's, it's, it begins with recognition and then it goes to this. Number two is reject it. Reject it. That thing, that sin, that, that flesh that pulls on you has to be rejected. Now let me explain something to you because some of you are going to go, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, of course it has to be rejected, right? But that's the problem. I can't reject it. Well, let me ask you something. Are you doing it right now? Right? Are you, is that sin got a hold of you right this second? Like right now at home at Shaw at U City? No. Most of us are not sinning right this moment. Like I'm talking about right now. Right? Because it turns out sin is situational. Help me somebody. Sin is situational. You are more likely to sin in some situations than in other situations. And when you get into an environment where a body of believers are coming together and praising God and worshiping and preaching the word and praying and, you know, and you're connected with folks, you're not as likely to be torn by that sin as you are when you are off by yourself, all alone, isolated and lonely. Right? Sin is situational. So one of the things that you've You've got to do if you want to live that overcoming life, if you want to walk in the spirit, if you want to crucify the flesh, is to put yourself in the circumstances and situations where you are less likely to be ensnared by the sin that entangles you. It's pretty straight up. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. You know why we have life groups? This is why we have life groups. Because the scripture teaches that let us not forsake the assembling of each other. Let us, let us uh, encourage one another in good works. Let us build one another up in good works. Because when we are together, wor- worshiping together, growing together, serving together, that's why we have a dream team. One of the reasons we have a dream team is, is not only to serve our congregation, and our guests, and our community, but also it's good for us. It's good for us to be around the people of God and rubbing shoulders with people and saying, hey man, let me encourage you, let me strengthen you, right? Because we are less likely to find ourselves caught up in the sins that grab us when we keep, when we keep putting ourselves in situations where we are less likely to sin. I'm going to give you this real quick. When are you most vulnerable? When are you most vulnerable to the sin that besets you? When are you most vulnerable to the flesh? Number one, when you're stressed. When you're so busy that you just don't have time to focus on God and you're not, you're not ready to serve. You can't get in a life group. You're just running and gunning. You're just trying to, you know, this is selfish ambition. I just got to keep doing this, 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 and this, right? And you get worked up, you get worked out, you get burnt out and you're stressed, right? Second one is this, angry. When you're angry, you're more likely to sin. Somebody, come on, somebody. When you're mad, there's not, anger is not a sin. In fact, the scripture says, be angry and sin not. But the reason it has to say sin not is because when you're angry, you're more likely to sin, right? So go ahead. If you got to get mad, get mad. Don't stay mad because the scripture says the devil will get a foothold. Eventually you're going to sin. Sometimes when you get angry, it's like, it's actual, it's actually sadness for, 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 for some of y'all. You know, when you're angry, what you realize is you're actually sad, but you don't, you don't, you're too tough to be sad. So I'm going to get mad and then I'm going to do something stupid. Now I'm going to even be more mad because I just did that, right? So, so, or sometimes it's hurt. Right? When you're hurt, you get mad. And when you're mad, you sin if you're not careful, right? So, stressed, angry, lonely. That's number three. This is another circumstance where you are most likely to sin. 
When you get alone, isolated and lonely, and nobody's there to be like, hey, how are you? What's going on in your life? Let me, let me, let me pray with you, bro. Right? You start to be more open and more vulnerable to sin. The last one is this, tired. When you're tired, you know, listen, when I'm tired, I want to, I want to, there are times where I come home and I think, you know, it wouldn't be fun to just be around the dinner table and we have the word of God open and we're just talking through Bible stories and we're just sharing with one another and just really enjoying each other. You know what I really want to do? I just want to lay down on the couch and scroll through Instagram. That's what I really want to do. I, I really do. I just want to binge watch uh, uh, Last Chance You or whatever, whatever people are watching. I just, you know, I don't, I'm not saying that's like, oh, super, super sinful, but it's not the spirit. It's just the flesh. When you're tired, you are less likely to go after the things of the spirit and you are more likely to go after the things of the flesh, right? So, so it's, it's recognition, right? Then it's rejection, right? To, to crucify the flesh. And the third one is this. It is uh, what I call receive, receive. This is what Pastor Mark was talking about last week. This is when we go, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you daily. I need you moment by moment. I need you all the time. I, it's not enough for me to say, yeah, I got saved like 25 years ago and now I'm cruising, right? Because you are not cruising. You are losing. You are losing the, the battle against the flesh, if that's you. But when we receive, when we are in, in a constant state of receptivity to the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit can strengthen us and empower us, fill us to do the things that God is calling us to do. I, I know my UPS guy by name, you know, because we just, through COVID, you don't even go, you just order everything. Mr. Wright is my UPS guy. And he brings me boxes all the time. I saw him this week. He brings us boxes and I actually have a choice. He brings the box and he could leave the box on the front porch and then I don't have to ever pick up the box. The box can stay on the front porch and it can get rained on and it can get, you know, stolen and it get kicked around or whatever. Or I can open the door and pick up the box and bring it into the house. That's what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm here. I'm trying to get in. And what God is calling us to do is to go, okay, come on in. Let me let the guard down and let me, let me just, let me just have you come in. Let me just spend some time in prayer. Let me just focus my heart on you. Let me read some Psalms. Let me pray a little bit. Maybe let me walk around my, my office and sing a little bit. Let me, let me just honor you. Let me just receive the spirit in my life, right? So the reality is this. We have to, we have to crucify the flesh. We've got the dead man, right? But if we end there, then we're just walking around with the dead man. Right? So the question is this. How do I get to the next part? I said there were two spiritual realities. The dead man. In the next verse, the Apostle Paul says this. Since we live by the Spirit, he says, let us keep in step. Somebody say, keep in step. Keep in step with the Spirit. What the Apostle Paul is doing here, he's using sort of a military term. Keep in step means you're, it's, it, there's a cadence it's a line. If you've ever seen a, a like a um, a marching band, you know you got to. Or if you've ever seen like a drum line or a step team, or like if you've ever been to a military parade, you know that there's a rhythm, and and to be a part of it, for it to work, everybody's got to be in step. You've got to be lined up with the thing that is uh, that that is driving it. You got to be t- you got to be synced up with the beat, right? So, so this is the second spiritual reality. The first one was the dead man, right? That's, we've got to allow some stuff to die. But if we really want to walk in the spirit, we don't stop there. We go to the 
keep in step with the spirit, which is what I'm calling the drummer. The dead man and the drummer. This is how we live under the influence of the spirit. This is how we walk in the spirit. We allow the old flesh to die. And then we walk in step with the spirit. What's, what's in step with the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, righteousness, justice, truth, right? This is what it means to keep in step with the spirit. And I'm going to end with this. I want to do an illustration. Just our instrumentalists. Can our instrumentalists just come to the front? I just want to show you what it looks like for your life and my life to be aligned with the Spirit. What does it mean for us to not only deny the flesh, right? Because if we end it denying the flesh, then we're just like, okay, you know, there's, I'm cutting, I'm cutting off all of this part of me, right? But if that's all there is, that's not an overcoming life. That's not a joy-filled life. That's not a life of fulfillment and hope and power and purpose, right? This is, you can't just do the dead man. You've got to also do the drummer, right? Okay, so Mark Sanders is our drummer. How many of you guys know Mark? Anybody know Mark? Mark Sanders has been our drummer. Am I still on? Can you guys hear me out there? Uh, Mark Sanders has been our drummer since he was 19 years old at One Family Church. He's, he is, uh, 19. 19. Almost 10 years. <laughs> how old are you, how old are you, Mark? You're 29. Oh, you're 22. Okay, 22. Oh, anyway, I'm terrible with math. But anyway, you understand. Um, a long time. Um, and what Mark is gonna represent in this, in this, uh, analogy is the spirit. Because it turns out that if you're a part of a band, if you're a part of a band, if you're a keyboard player or if you're a guitar player or a bass player, you have to be aligned with the drummer. Because if you get out of syncop- syncopation with the drum, with the drummer, if you're not synchronized with the drummer, then the song falls apart. Okay, so let me show you. Okay, go ahead, Mark. Okay. So this is the this is the rhythm of the spirit, right? And if you want to live a life in step with the spirit, then you got to follow the spirit. Okay, there it is. All right, Barry, can you bring it in on the bass? All right, Christy, you got it. Bring her guitar in a little bit. You see how every part has to play along. Anybody know that song? Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go. Yeah, you can do that. In. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number. When the saints go marching in. Okay. Well, that, these guys are amazing. Um, now, if anybody gets out of sync with the drummer, then the song falls apart. That's the analogy. That's the metaphor for our life, right? When our life gets disaligned from the rhythm of the spirit, 
The rhythm of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. The, the rhythm of the Spirit is prayer and scripture and service and generosity and kindness and community and fellowship. When, when we get in line with the Spirit, we begin to live in a way that honors God, that glorifies God, that is beautiful, that is a beautiful melody to the world around us. And when we get out of sync, then the song of our life begins to fall apart. And this is not just on an individual basis. This is on a church basis. When a church says, hey, we are going to align ourselves with the principles, the truths of the Spirit. When we, when we collectively as a people say, we're going to walk this out in step with the Spirit. We're going to stop serving self and we're going to start serving God. We're going to allow the flesh to die daily. Daily. We're going to pick up our cross and we're going to elevate our, our focus on the Spirit daily, and we're going to walk in step with the Spirit. Let me just tell you, when a church does that, when a community does that, nothing on the planet can stop it. I mean, people will, it will be a marching band walking down the middle of this city, and people on the sidelines will say, I want to be a part of that band because I am, I am, I am over, I am blown away by the love and the joy and the peace that these people are and the patience they're so kind they're so good they're so gentle right not because it's us but because we have said dead man you've got to die and we're going to follow the drummer we're going to follow the spirit can you stand with me this morning let, let i want to just pray for us as we close out this series wherever you are i just want to pray that god would speak into your life this moment that he would lean into your heart this morning. You would be receptive to him. Let's bow our heads and let's take a moment and pray. Father, we come before you with gratitude for who you are. Thankful, God, that you would even allow us, Lord God, to align our lives with you. We know that we are not deserving. We know that we are not uh, worthy in our own self but that you have reached out, Lord God, and you have grabbed a hold of us and you have called us to be yours. And if we will lay down our guard, if we will allow ourselves to die and open our heart to the rhythm of your spirit, to the voice of your spirit, God, we will walk in the newness of life. We will walk as new creations. We will, we will, we will be an inspiration to our family. We'll be an inspiration to our colleagues at work. We'll be an inspiration to our professors and the students that we're, uh, uh, that we're surrounded by, to our teachers and to the administrators, Lord God, in our schools. We will be a light to this city. We'll be a light to the world. We will be what you've called us to be. We'll be a city set up on a hill. God, I pray that each and every one of us today would lay down our pride, lay down our fear, all of the things that have held us back from allowing you to take over our life. I pray that we would just release those today. We would just surrender those today. And we would just give our hearts to you. I pray that we would give our hearts to you, God. I just pray, Lord God, that you would fill us up. Give us your strength. Give us your love. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.